Good evening, fellow followers of Jesus. Uh, thanks for coming. Uh, let's begin with prayer, shall we? Father, thank you. Thank you for your holy word that draws us and that brings us here to this place. And thank you for the cross. Thank you for the reconciliation we have through the cross of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. And, and thank you for all you have done through the ages to, to speak your word with power, such that your message has been handed down to this time and place where we are. And may we, be, may we, may we also be faithful stewards and, and faithful messengers, Lord, of what it is that you give to us from your word. Help us, Lord, to be, fit, be, uh, be obedient to you in, in this faith that we have, to love you, Lord, with all of our hearts and all of our minds. And uh, so let it be so, Lord, and uh, speak your word. Let it be a comfort to all those who, who are afflicted. Let it be a, a guide to all of us who need encouragement and hope. And uh, may we be loving vessels of, of your word in to this end, Lord, as we know that uh, by this men will know that we are your disciples because of our love one for another. So let this, uh, let this be real by the power of your spirit tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, tonight we're going to be looking at Psalm 34, and you can see on the screen that I have two verses from Psalm 34 that, uh, that I'd like to start with. We have uh, verse 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now, um, there's a, I have a couple of sentences um, that I want you to just uh, listen to for a second. One of them is, uh, nothing beats the real thing. The other one is the choice of a new generation. Now, most of you say, hey, those sound like a couple of good sentences that belong to a sermon or a message when we're talking about God and we're talking about what uh, God has done for us through Jesus Christ. But I think if some of you are as old as I am, I think you're thinking, wait a minute, I've heard those before. And uh, it wasn't in any church that I heard those. And uh, so where did we hear those? Uh, where did we hear those sentences? Um, Nothing beats the real thing and the choice of a new generation. And uh, some of you are thinking and going, oh, yeah, he's talking about the Cola Wars in the 1980s, the Pepsi Challenge. The taste test, taste and see that Pepsi is better than Coke, or that Coke is the real thing, not Pepsi. Well, back to our verses for a second. Um, and uh, oh, by the way, um, you want to see what I'm talking about. If you didn't get to see that ad campaign, uh, this is what I was talking about. Uh, so there you can see it. Can't beat the real thing and the choice of a new generation. Um, now, back to the verses. Now, um, do you wonder how it is that scripture uses taste and see these two words for a God that can neither be tasted with our mouths or seen with our eyes? 
do you wonder how affliction is somehow supposed to make the Lord taste good? Well, I know I wonder sometimes, and I think a lot of us do. And I don't know if any of us have completely figured it out because I don't think anyone has an easy explanation on the problem of pain, the problem of suffering in this life. And, um, and though the topic of why we suffer is important, why we suffer affliction, my topic tonight does not really focus on the why. And it doesn't really start with the words, the reason we suffer affliction is. The start of this message is more like when, when we suffer affliction. Now, back to uh, Coke and Pepsi for a moment. Are Coke and Pepsi trying to say that the plan they have for their customers includes times of affliction? Well, clearly not. Um, I would say that uh, what they're trying to sell is, is the exact opposite. They're trying to sell uh, a certain comfort or amusement or joy or, or uh, refreshment. Certainly not affliction. Are Coke and Pepsi trying to say that they will provide deliverance and refuge to their to their customers? Perhaps. I mean, who who wouldn't want deliverance from the affliction of heat and thirst on a hot day from an ice cold Coke or Pepsi? Now, of course, from God's point of view, neither Coke nor Pepsi nor anything in this world is the real thing or the choice of a new generation. That is a generation that repents and seeks after God. So this actually brings us to the title of our, of our message for tonight on Psalm 34. The real thing is the choice of a new generation when suffering affliction. The taste test in times of trial. So um, let's, uh, let's start with some observations from Scripture when we consider the Lord's plan for his people, and what role could affliction be playing in that? So, first observation, simply put, Christians will suffer affliction. And when you look at words like uh, deliverance, these are some of the, uh, you know, these are some of the verses, uh, some of the words that we're going to see in the psalm that we're going to be looking at tonight. Words like deliverance, refuge, comfort are so often repeated elsewhere in the scripture, they inescapably show, as verse 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Uh, Romans 8, 16, uh, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. First uh, Peter 4, 12 to 13, and by the way, a little bit of a side note, uh, Peter uh, quoted significantly from this psalm in, in his uh, in his writings when uh, trying to encourage his uh, his readers who are going through affliction. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad. And his glory is revealed. Now, so 
The next part of our observation when it comes to affliction and uh, what we see in scripture is that affliction goes hand in hand with comfort. I mean, when you think about it, without affliction, can you say, can, can you say that anyone could be comforted um, or delivered or given relief? So there is a call to comfort and fellowship in affliction. Uh, the afflictions of the righteous bring fellowship and the comfort thereof into, excuse the pun, sharp relief. Second Corinthians 1, 3 to 7. Kind of see how we see how uh, affliction works in fellowship here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. So there is something very key about the afflictions that we go through in the building of fellowship, and the building of one another up. And because we are talking, we're, we're talking about Psalm 34, and in a certain sense, the Psalms in general, this brings us to another key point of fellowshipping with one another. And, uh, and that is that the Psalms are key in our fellowship. And why do we know this? Well, the New Testament teaches this. The Psalms play a key role in the fellowship for encouraging and building one another up. And this would include in times of affliction. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Ephesians 5.18-21, uh, very, uh, very similar uh, what Paul says here, be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This actually is a bit of a preview of, uh, of some of the things that Psalm 34 says, because one of the things we see in this verse and many other verses is that even in our times of affliction, we are being taught to continuously give praise to the Lord. And on the topic of the Psalms, the Psalms themselves in a, in a very, in, you know, in a, in, albeit in a veiled way, actually teach us the gospel. And uh, so say we start with, the bad news. You know, God looks down from heaven on the children of man. This is Psalm 53, verses 2 to 3. God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all fallen away. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. 
you'll probably recognize that Paul in Romans also quotes this. And so that that is a, you know, that's an indictment that really points to uh, the need we have and that without without the need that we have being filled, we are left simply to perish, which brings us to the next, uh, this next uh, Psalm from Psalm 51, 10 to 12. And again, this is David recognizing his need. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. That well, was uh, yeah, Psalm 51, 10 to 12. So you've got the condemnation. You've got the need that we have for God to do something if we're going to be redeemed. And then we have the solution itself. Psalm 2, 12 says, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So, so again, like we're, we're, we're seeing, we're, you know, we're seeing even way back in the time of the Psalms that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is God's provision for us to be redeemed, to be given refuge from condemnation. So now that we've had a little bit of time to consider a little bit about where scripture elsewhere talks about the afflictions of Christians, how fellowship and the Psalms play a role in that, as well as the fact that um, everything in scripture ultimately points us back to the gospel and our need for Christ. Let's now take a quick overview of what we're going to be finding in Psalm 34. So just uh, some summary sentences here. When we suffer affliction, God is good. We confess God to be good. And God calls his people to always do good. So a little more of a precy on this topic. Uh, David invites his listeners to join him in worship and to respond to what the Lord has done with righteousness and faithfulness at all times, notably through affliction. Psalm 34 states that the Lord ultimately delivers the righteous out of all their afflictions, but not so with the wicked. So one of the things that we see in this psalm is the inheritance that we as Christians have to look forward to compared to those who do not have Christ and why the call of the gospel is all the more precious and, uh, and something that leads us to taste and see that the Lord is good. And um, interestingly enough is that uh, you ever, you know, before I started preparing for this, I didn't even know what those little titles were called, the ones that are ne not next to the verse numbers in any of the Psalms, the ones that are like, hmm, is this even actually part of the scripture or not? Um, but they're always there, even though they're not numbered. And I learned that they are called the superscriptions. So wherever you see those little, you know, descriptions of uh, of the psalm before uh, verse one begins, uh, it's called the superscription. And this is the superscription of Psalm 34. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Of David, 
when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. And uh, so what, what, what do we get from this? Well, when we suffer affliction, we are not necessarily free from danger in the moment, but neither are we outside of God's sovereign control in the midst of danger and in the hope of deliverance. So that even, even this subscription in Psalm 34 sets the stage for the context in which David, the inspired author, faces affliction. David was being pursued. His life was being threatened. And David was facing a moment when his life was in particular danger. And, and he reacted quickly with unusual shrewdness to evade uh, the immediate threat on his life. And, uh, basically, he just kind of acted like a madman and started salivating on his beard. And, and somehow the guy who would have probably threatened him just thought he was a madman and just kind of dismissed him. So there was a, so there was a very interesting, uh, you know, sovereignty of the Lord sort of working in, uh, you know, in delivering David in even in that moment. Now, moving on to verses one to three of the Psalm, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. When we suffer affliction, there is never a time to cease from praising God and confessing him as good. So the psalm begins with David's declaration that he will bless the Lord at all times that God's praise shall continually be in David's mouth. And so at all times, continually be, indicates that devotion to the Lord is a, is, is a constant in good times, but also in bad times, in times of deliverance, but also in times of affliction. Uh, boast in the Lord. Obviously, if, if we're going to boast that we have the nicest car or something like that, we're somehow pointing to something that we ourselves have or something that we do. But a boast in the Lord well, it's always pointing to what it is that God does and always points to something that God has the ability to do, where we are not taking credit, but we are giving all credit to God. So there, you know, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Uh, I confess that it is the Lord who is my deliverer. I confess that it is the Lord who delivers me out of affliction. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Let the humble hear and be glad. Are you kind of thinking back to uh, that verse from uh, 2 Corinthians for a moment? These times of affliction can sometimes be the times that really foster our sense of fellowship and our relationships one with another as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so here we have uh, David calling out, to, to fellow believers, to worship with him. Next couple verses, four to five. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. When we suffer affliction, we confess by faith that God will deliver us from it. You know, maybe in some of our afflictions, the time that we will be delivered from those afflictions 
will be when we are when when we are resurrected with new bodies. Uh, you know, when when we when we pass on from this life. And in this part, there is a declaration about God's faithfulness and his people's response. So God delivered me from all my fear. Notice that while deliverance elsewhere in Psalm 34 is from afflictions, there is deliverance as well from the fears that would come about of those very afflictions. And notice it says all fears. Now, is it possible to be spared completely from the physiological symptoms of fear? Perhaps, but not necessarily. And I think we see enough evidence in other Psalms where David uh, talks about, uh, you know, deep groanings and, uh, and just certain ways that his feelings are, are being negatively affected by whatever his circumstances might be, whatever it is. So a walk of faith does not depend on our ability to control how we feel, but it does give us the ability to always declare who God is and who we are in Christ and really what our hope is for eternity, which is going to be a hope and, and, a, and a future without tears, without fears, even in the midst of the worst feelings that we can be going through. Uh, same verse, uh, another point. Uh, when we suffer affliction, we confess by faith that God lives within us and that he is reflecting through us, regardless of our condition. And uh, I, I think that it's very natural for us when we are when we are down in, in the depth in our depths. It's like how 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 am I radiant? How am I somehow radiating the glory of God? Well, if God lives in you, He really is radiating Himself. Second Corinthians four seven to eleven. Uh, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Even at our worst times, God still shines. Even when we're afflicted, when we're, you know, when, when we are, uh, you know, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, we have this treasure in jars of clay. We are radiant. And it is an exercise of faith to realize that because it's not always perceptible. It's not even always perceptible to, to other people, but in, in God's, in, in whatever God is doing with us, we have this hope that, uh, that, you know what, God still lives in me and he is going to be delivering me out of my, out of all affliction. You'll see that I did some underlining and some uh, bolding uh, with this with this next one, uh, just to emphasize a few things. 
So verses six to eight, this poor man cried. The Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. When we suffer affliction, we confess by faith that the deliverance and refuge that God offers are more to be desired than anything that the world offers. When we suffer affliction, uh, we confess by faith that without the afflictions that God allows, that's actually something we wouldn't experience. We would not be experiencing God in deliverance if there was nothing to be delivered from. We would not be experiencing God in refuge if there was nothing to take refuge of. And uh, verses 9 to 11. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. When we suffer affliction, by faith we rightfully fear, and I'm putting that in quotes um, to kind of emphasize this word, just for us to think about a little bit. We rightfully fear the Lord infinitely more than fearing anything that afflicts us. So now I'm not going to be getting into a big exposition about, you know, what's the difference between kind of, you know, fearing walking in the dark in the middle of some dangerous city and fearing the Lord. I mean, there, there are explanations, there are differences, but then there are also some, some similarities because it is the same word. Now, here are a couple of dictionary definitions. So we have um, Oxford, an un, uh, fear, an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Um, and then this uh, Merriam-Webster dictionary definition, which is probably the one we think of when we, when we think about, well, what does it mean to fear God? Profound reverence and awe. Now, the same, uh, now, when we're talking about fear, you know, we kind of consider that the same God, you know, the same God who loves us deeply, is the same God who would condemn us if we did not accept what Jesus did for us at the cross. And um, let's look at a couple of verses along those, those lines. We have uh, Matthew uh, 10, 28, who says, um, and, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both, both soul and body in hell. Uh, John 3, 14 to 15. Interesting. This is these are the verses right before the, you know, the, the John 3, 16 and all the football games kind of thing. Um, John 3, 14 to 15. Um, and as Moses lifted up the servant in the will, serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Isn't it interesting that uh, this, uh, you know, what uh, what Jesus is making reference to here is that uh, it was a time when the Israelites they were grumbling. Um, the Lord sent serpents after them. A lot of a lot of the 
Israelis got bitten by the serpents. They got killed by the serpents. It was, you know, it, it was it was a very uh, sobering judgment on on uh, on some of God's people. And what's interesting is that the way that the people actually got saved from that judgment is they actually had to look at a bronze serpent. They actually had to look at the very thing that was carrying out the very judgment uh, that, was, that was on them. And so Jesus said, so just as Moses lifted this up for, for the people to be saved, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And so this is actually something very fundamental is that we cannot, we, we cannot be saved unless we see that we need to be saved. And, um, and so this is, uh, this is something that David points to in the psalm, is that uh, a big part of our journey, um, and especially in the context of, you know, like, because David's talking about the context of affliction, but really this is, this is a fundamental part of our journey, whether or not we're going through a particularly bad time or not. But, but learning the fear of the Lord, learning that God is a God who judges evil, is a sobering thing, and it's a very necessary thing for us to see our need and to, and, and to basically cry out for the salvation and the refuge that we see so much uh, throughout Scripture. And um, I'm going to actually share another uh, illustration when it comes to uh, fear and having this deep respect. Consider a high cliff. And now you can look at this cliff with, uh, you know, with delight and wonder. And, um, and at the same time that you look at this wonderful cliff and enjoy the sightseeing of it, um, you can still have a sense of fear, as in the feeling of, wow, I'm sure, I sure would not like to be hanging on the edge of that cliff that just looks so wonderful here as we're driving through the Rockies in British Columbia. So there's nothing, uh, there, there certainly is nothing contradictory. Uh, about the idea that uh, something that something one that something wonderful, something we can take delight in, uh, something that is uh, in, enjoyable to experience, can also give us a certain sobering sense of fear, and that uh, like if if our circumstances in relation to this thing were different, and so it is with God, and so teaching us the fear of the Lord also very fundamental in fellowship, as David here tells his listeners, you know, listen to me. Um, God is a good God. He provides every good thing. God is a God to be feared, to have a profound reverence and awe for. Um, and uh, on that note of provision, when we suffer affliction by faith, we believe that God is providing for us and will provide every good thing for us. Here and elsewhere in scripture is a promise that those who fear in him, which is a very, it's kind of, uh, you know, illustrated in, in some of these other verses here, a very, nat a very natural companion of belief, belief and fear are very natural companions, but those who fear in him, those who believe in him will be provided for. Now, what man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. When we suffer affliction, we persevere in doing. 
even when we don't see good and we don't like what we see, even when speaking what is true isn't immediately advantageous toward us, even when we feel vengeful. Um, going back, remember, uh, uh, Peter seemed to be using this, uh, using these themes a lot in his writings. First Peter 3, 9, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. And by the way, in this very uh, reference, uh, Peter actually does quote directly from Psalm 34. Um, you might remember that uh, when we were looking at that uh, few weeks back or a couple months back. Um, I'm noticing that it's, uh, it's after um, eight o'clock. I'm going to, I'm going to try to go through this as quickly as possible. 15 to 16, verses 15 to 16, the eyes of the Lord are for the righteous, his ears for their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When we suffer affliction, by faith, we believe that God hears us in a way that he does not hear those who do not have faith in him. This is also reinforced in uh, verse 21 in, in a few moments. So points from the previous verses are starkly reiterated here. Those who do good have the attention and the care of the Lord. Those who are the Lord's have the attention and the care of the Lord. And this is not so with the unrighteous. The Lord's face is not favorable towards the unrighteous, but against them and is set on destroying them. And again, we are soberly reminded that, uh, that we once were unrighteous. We by nature are unrighteous, but we have the favor of the Lord because we accept what Jesus has done in our place. And um, so again, a reminder of, uh, of even in the midst of affliction, just who we are and the inheritance we have and the position we have in Jesus. Verses 18, uh, 17 to 18, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit. When we suffer affliction by faith, we believe that all our troubles will one day come to an end. When we suffer affliction by faith, we believe that God is near and will save us from our broken heart and crushed spirit one day. Verses 19 to 22, and uh, briefly mentioned this a couple of slides ago. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Interesting that these, this is the last, these are the last uh, verses of Psalm 34. And uh, what a fitting conclusion that in the end, what, uh, what really tastes good about the Lord is his mercy. We will not be condemned. We have our refuge in him. So when we suffer affliction, by faith, we know that this is normal for the believer. We also believe that God will deliver us from it. By faith, we know that we will one day be resurrected and free from what is afflicting or oppressive or destructive in our lives. 
By faith, we know that God will judge justly those who hate us and do, do evil unless they repent. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord, as it says in Romans 12, 19. And by faith, we remember that we are not condemned. Second Corinthians 4, 9, like we said, struck down, but not destroyed. So back to uh, some uh, words uh, summarizing Psalm 34 uh, near the beginning. Psalm, uh, Psalm 34, conclusion as, as was introduced, when, when we suffer affliction, God is good. We confess God to be good. And God calls his people to always do good. Uh, again, David invites his listeners to join him in worship and to respond to what the Lord has done with righteousness and faithfulness at all times, notably through affliction. Uh, Psalm 34 states that the Lord ultimately delivers the righteous out of all their afflictions, but not so with the wicked. And when we suffer affliction, God is still the real thing and the choice of a new generation of his people. I uh, really, better than these conclusions that I came up with, I think uh, the first eight verses of Romans 5 is even a better conclusion. So Paul concludes, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, final recommendation. Uh, one time I kind of had a vision that I was going to uh, sing, I was going to lead us in a, in, in a musical rendition of, of, uh, of part of this psalm that we were studying tonight. Um, it didn't come to pass, but uh, you've heard me say this before, and I'll say it again. I cannot recommend enough uh, this musical collective found at uh, listentoverses.com. Uh, they are, uh, they have a project that has been putting uh, scripture uh, word for word from the English Standard Version to music. And it is, uh, and you know, psalms are meant to be sung to one another, to encourage one another. And I was hoping to do another demonstration of that tonight. Um, it's, uh, that's not something that came to be. So um, anyway, why don't we, uh, why don't we finish uh, with a quick word of prayer. Uh, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the emboldening and the, and the encouragement that these words give us, even in the midst of some of the very worst afflictions, um, like 
so many of us are going through in so many different ways. So help us, Lord, to comfort one another with the comfort that you are comforting us with and thus show that we are your disciples because of our love for one another. Thank you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.